You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for October 2nd, 2022, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. The title of this sermon is Do Your Job, Colon, Jesus, and Bill Belichick. Now, uh, for those of you who do not know who Bill Belichick is, uh, he is the coach and general manager of the New England Patriot football team. And under his tutelage, uh, they they have created something of a dynasty. They have been to the Super Bowl nine times and they have won the Super Bowl six times. And for the whole of the period that uh, Bill Belichick has been with the Patriots, I have loved to hate them. Uh, Now, one might argue that they were the best team and I was the fan of the worst teams, which does turn out to be true. But I disliked this team in every way possible. I couldn't stand their Tom Terrific quarterback uh, who always seemed a way to find a way to win and I didn't like their curmudgeonly uh, coach, Bill Belichick. And then uh, I underwent some conversions, as they might say. And so the first was Tom Brady uh, leaves the Patriots, moves to Tampa Bay, and at the ripe old age of 43, wins a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, and I surrender. And I say what everybody already knows, he's the greatest football player of all time, with the possible exception of Jim Brown. Now, we got Mad Dog here today, so Chris Russo will be taking commentary on my sermon in the back of the church when we're done. So, uh, the second thing is, uh, somewhere around that same time, I also experienced the most unlikely conversion to Bill Belichick, thinking of him as the greatest football coach of all time, with the possible exceptions, once again, of Vince Lombardi and Paul Brown, both of whom predated me. And I was thinking a lot about, why did I convert to this guy who I just simply couldn't stand, really? And I don't know if it was the Patriots, they just kept winning, or if it was that one of my sons moved into a dorm that he used to live in and uh, somehow humanized it, like Bill Belichick lived in this dorm. Or it was that I found out he went to Wesleyan College. I actually didn't even know that Wesleyan had a football team. So uh, somehow Bill gets humanized in all of this, and I move from being annoyed by this human being to uh, really trying to study his ways. Now, all football fans know that uh, Bill Belichick's philosophy on coaching is summed up in three words, and they are do your job. And in fact, do your job is the document is the title of a documentary of the 2014 uh, Patriot team that was 16 and 0 was undefeated, losing uh, to the Giants. That's a whole other sermon because that, that was in Phoenix, and I predicted that in church that Sunday. But that's another sermon. Uh, and the but the philosophy is really simple. If the players, the coaches, and the equipment managers all do their job, it puts the team in the position to win. It doesn't guarantee victory, it just puts it in the position to win. So the more I studied Bill Belichick, the more I began to think that he was channeling Jesus, albeit in a completely different context. Now, the more I looked at Jesus through the lens of Bill Belichick, the more I understood Jesus and the more I wanted to follow him. And the more I thought about Jesus as a coach talking to his team, the more this passage that Reverend Elizabeth just read made sense to me 
and the more I wanted to embrace its teachings. Now, we all know, those of us who are football fans, know that Bill Belichick preaches to his players about the demands of being a professional football player. He teaches a group of people who are professional football players, and he talks about the difficulty of that profession, and it is very clear to be a professional football player, you need to be a wild gifted athlete, and you need to be incredibly disciplined in your approach to the game. It's very demanding to do this. And so for Bill, doing your job means that there are no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to getting in condition. There's no shortcuts to being mentally tough. There's no shortcuts to being, you know, studying the game and being, uh, doing all of your preparations. There's no shortcut to playing with purpose. And there's no shortcut that when you're on the field that you compete to win. It's about winning and you need to compete to win. And Bill is also very articulate about the difference between, uh, between professional players and players who are in college or in high school. And he's unapologetic about the fact that professional players can do incredible things and they should. In other words, those of you who are football fans, just take a look at the kicking game, the kicking game that we grew up with and the kicking game now where these guys can kick these field goals from what, if you've ever tried to kick a, a professional football, it's very, very heavy, it's very hard to do. These people are incredible. And Bill's response is, and they should be. They should be, that's their job. Now, Jesus has something of the same vibe. I mean, if we think about it, over and over and over in the gospel, we hear about the demands of being a disciple. And just as to be a football player, you need to be gifted and you need to be disciplined, we would say, for followers of Jesus, we need the gift of faith and we need the discipline that comes with the demands of discipleship. It's demanding to be a follower of Jesus. And so at the beginning of the, the gospel that Elizabeth just read, it says, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. Now you may remember that as we've moved through Luke's gospel, we sometimes hear Jesus talking to the crowd and he has one message. Sometimes he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he has another message, but now he's talking to the disciples. And when he's talking to the disciples, he's talking to his team, right? He's, he's coaching his team, he's coaching us. And in today's reading, he's laying out four teachings about what it means to be on his team. And the teachings are hard, and he's unapologetic about that because he's basically saying, that's your job. So here are the four teachings. The first teaching is do not make it hard for others to follow Jesus. Now, we know that in sports, we value players who make the team better. We keep statistics about assists and we keep statistics about plus minus, an explanation of that some other place. So we all, we value that in our, in our, in our sports players who on our teams. Now Jesus is essentially just giving us that in the negative when he says, don't make the other players worse. Don't make the other people who are trying to follow me and do their job in the faith worse at it. Now, if you ever hear, they, they sometimes mic up the coaches. And if you ever hear coach Belichick mic, he sounds really harsh. This does not sound like a nice man. He, he sounds periodically incredibly mean. But 
Compared to Jesus, Bill Belichick is like Mr. Rogers, okay? Jesus is way more harsh than Bill Belichick. Uh, so for instance, in the first reading we just got, Jesus just said, it would be better for you to die a premature death than to get in the way of somebody else's faith, right? That's the whole millstone around your next story. He's trying to make a point. Okay, the second teaching is about forgiveness. And the basic teaching is this, you need to forgive. You need to forgive a lot. You need to forgive more than you want to. You need to forgive more than you think you can. And then you gotta do it over and over and over. You need to forgive. Why? Because if you wanna be on Jesus' team, you gotta forgive. It's very simple. Now, in the scriptures, we might also say that our Heavenly Father forgives us. Clearly, forgiveness is a big deal to Jesus. It's right embedded in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I mean, there's only five or six concepts in the whole Lord's Prayer. One of them is you need to forgive. The third teaching is about faith. And it's against this backdrop of don't get in the way of others and you need to forgive without ceasing that the disciples say to him, increase our faith. In other words, we need your help if you think we're going to do that stuff. Now, just back to the sports analogy for one minute. This is a little bit like a coach saying to a general manager. The general manager is the person on the team in the system who gets the players and hands them off to the coach. It's a little bit like the coach going to a general manager saying, we're going toward the playoffs and we're gonna get slaughtered because the other team has way more talent than we have, so go out and use your money and buy us some talent. Now Jesus doesn't buy this, so he responds with that enigmatic teaching about faith the size of a mustard seed. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. you. You recognize in Matthew's gospel that he says you can move the mountain. Remember this? Elizabeth pointed out in our podcast that it's a ridiculous, it's ridiculous, it's absurd that you would, you, first of all, you can't pick up a, a mulberry tree because of the roots, and, you, and we don't plant trees in the ocean. Jesus is using hyperbole, and he's trying to make a point. He's the coach making a point. Now, the grammar on this can be a little confusing because it can come out ambiguous. You might interpret the saying in two ways. And the first being something like this. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed and you do not, well, if you did, then you could do amazing things. You could move this mountain, you could move this tree, which is how I always thought of it as a kid. I'm like, man, I got no faith. I can't move anything. It ain't happening. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's on the complete opposite side of that, which is, if you have faith and you do, this means you can do amazing things. That's what Jesus is trying to talk, tell them. He's saying to them, you don't need any more faith. You have faith or you don't have faith, and if you've got it, just a little bit of it goes a long way. And it's not about the size of your faith. You either have it or you don't, and you have it, so go about your business. And back to the sports analogy, this is a little bit like a team that's about to play a better team and the guys are thinking, oh, this ain't gonna go so well. And the coach says to them, no, you got this. 
you're fit, you've done your preparations, we've got a great game plan. Now get that out of your head and go out and win the game. That's what Jesus is saying. You've got it. Now go do it. Now the fourth teaching is right out uh, the Bill Belichick playbook. You know, it's the do your job teaching. It's, it's that parable that Elizabeth just read that's only in Luke's gospel. And it's a parable that points toward doing your duty that is not heroic service, it's just everyday life. Doing your duty day by day by day. Uh, it would be odd if it were otherwise. One of the commentators that I listened to uh, uh, said something that I just thought was hilarious when he was commenting on this. It would be something like this. The, the contemporary equivalent of Jesus's parable about the master and the slave. It would be like going out on a Friday night and the server comes to your table and says, Hi, my name is Rick. I'm going to be your server tonight. And you say, Hey, Rick, my name's Pete. Listen, oh my gosh, you look really tired. You, wow, you've probably had a really hard day. Well, well, how about this? There's an empty table over there. Why don't you go over and have your dinner first? And have a nice glass of wine and just chill for a moment and kind of get it together. We'll just sit here and wait for you to have your dinner. And then why don't you come back and take our order, and then we'll eat. So, I mean, that's not how, that's not how it works, right? We don't, that wouldn't work, and just as it wouldn't have worked in Jesus' day. Back to the sports metaphor. This would be like a coach of a professional team thanking the players for coming to practice, or thanking the players for showing up for the game. What Jesus is saying to us is this. Do your job. Your job is to be a humble servant. Just do it. And don't expect any special thanks. If you want to play in the kingdom, that's your job. It's not for everybody. He didn't tell this to the crowd. He told it to his followers. If you want to be on my team, do your job. Now the final line of the, the parable says, we have done only what we ought to have done. We've only done our duty, right? Right again, out of Bill Belichick and Jesus' playbook. Just do your duty. Now what Belichick says, Coach Belichick says, that if everybody does their job, it puts the team in the position of winning the game. Doesn't guarantee it, just puts you in the position to win it. And in Jesus' case, he is telling us that when we do our job, when we do what the faith demands of us, it puts us in the position to know that God is real. Not a given in our world. It puts us in the position to know that the living Christ can actually touch our spirit. And that that touch can completely change our lives. It puts us in the position of being kingdom people. In other words, the parables are about the kingdom of God. We can hear the parable and hearken unto it, like, I want that. I'm going to do that. I want that. It puts us in the position to grow into the full stature of Christ. That's what St. Paul calls it. That's what our baptismal liturgy has in it. To grow into the full stature of Christ means that we become most ourselves when we are most Christ-like. And we do that by following Jesus' demanding way of love. When we do this, it puts us in the position to be instruments of God's peace, the prayer of St. Francis, 
And it gives us, puts us in the position to have a very meaningful life, regardless of what we do with our life. Whether or not you feel like you're a success or a failure, it matters not. I did what Jesus wanted me to do. And it puts us in the position to die into the wonderful presence of God. Now you may note that if you've ever watched, I mean, it was nauseating to watch, for me it was, to watch them win the Super Bowl over and over and over and over until I finally gave up after six of them. But if you notice what the players say after they win the Super Bowl, they say, they say, I love these guys. They talk about love. And the same thing is true with us. When we do what Jesus demands of us, we love one another as he has loved us. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.